On today's episode of PropTech Insider, we're joined by Will Goss, Director of Bressick Whitney, and Thomas McGlynn, Head of Sales at Bressick Whitney. Will has built his career focused on business of real estate and innovating the agents to help them to... Fr- Will has built his career focused on the business of real estate and innovating the agents to help them to thrive in their industry. Will's purpose is to make the process of real estate better and easier for agents. Thomas is passionate about highly regarded real estate professionals whose focus is to guide and motivate his sales team. In the role of head of sales at Bressick Whitney, Thomas focuses on empowering his agents to perform at their best in a supportive environment. Well, Thomas and Will, thanks for, for joining us and to giving us a bit of insight into the Bressick Whitney business. As, as we all know, the Bressick Whitney business is one of the leaders in not only in New South Wales, but also in Australia. And you guys have got a really unique way about how you go about marketing properties, about having a narrative and a story and a personalization behind your agents and also the properties that you market. So firstly, I'd just like to say thank you for coming on and giving us some insight. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Well, the first one to jump into is obviously over the last 18 months and probably more so your business is it's very fast paced. It's about how to be racked and continue to be ahead of the market, not only from a technology perspective, but also just a consumer experience. Tell us a little bit about how you guys are going about implementing new technology, how you think about the future and some of the changes that you've made over the last 18 months. So Tom, I might hand to you firstly. Well, it's an interesting thing to look at. I think that what's happened over the course of the past five years is everyone's come to expect things to be done quickly. So speed is is almost like the the number one thing people want to deliver on, and that's that whether or not that's interaction with agents or whether or not that's interaction with actual clients, so the consumer, buyers, sellers, landlords, tenants. The thing is, how do you deliver speed without compromising service levels? So customer experience has also been something that has come to the fore. With if you're not delivering at expectation or above expectation, you're going to get lost, right? So I think that. The way that we like to look at things is how can we balance off both of those? And that's where technology really, I think, does play a big part in relation to delivering speed, but also good customer experience. And that's something that I think Will will probably talk about because he does a lot of this. It's you get exposed to hundreds of tech opportunities and things to be able to do. And it's the ability to say no 99 times and yes once on what's the right platform that's going to allow you to to cover off on both those things. So I think that's what we as a business always look at first and foremost is do we have the ability to implement something that helps us become quicker in our delivery but also increases our our service levels and, and how people engage with us. Yeah, and Will, just before you jump in, we actually did a survey recently to understand how many prop tech companies there are actually in Australia. So there's now over 365 um, just in Australia alone. And about 80% of them have come into the market in the last five years. So we understand that every day you're probably getting hit up about a new solution or the silver bullet for your business that's got a 10x. So Will, how are you kind of thinking about what's the right decision for your business? And as exactly to Thomas's point, what do you leave alone? Yeah, well, I think first of all, it's really important that technology enables us and not inhibits us. And in order to do that, an agency or an agent need to be really clear about what that piece of technology is going to deliver. Is it value to their customer? Is it value to their agents? Um, and, and make sure that you actually test that and confirm that that's correct. Take it out to your clients, do a small survey, do a small test, 
make sure it's going to work for you. Um, and then once you're confident in that, move it forward. So we go through a very strict vetting process with our tech. And to Thomas's point, we'll say no 99 times and yes once. The other thing I would I would say within that is that it's so incredible the number of options we have available to us as an industry. And I think the really good players are looking at all of those options, considering them, and then, as I said before, working out what's going to work for them. And, and in that, um, I guess there's a few different pieces. So there's a lot of technology now that's around efficiency. There's a lot of technology set about consumer. How do you make sure that you can quality do that quality assurance piece and test if it's consumer or if it's a business operational thing. And then Thomas, I'd really like to hear from you about, you know, the why and how you actually go about getting agents to adopt it and the change management piece as well. So I think, you know, the point that was being made before about consumers already expecting a really fast and seamless digital experience, that has to apply to real estate transactions, right? Um, If they're experiencing that when they go and buy a coffee with their um, Apple Pay, why wouldn't they experience something similar in real estate? So to come back to the question about determining what's valuable and how do you test it, we found consumers are actually really open to giving their feedback. A lot of consumers mightn't have the best experience in real estate and they want it to be better, not just for them, but for their children, their friends, their families. So we've we've always found consumers are very willing. And if you explain to them the reasons that you're trialing a piece of technology, they'll absolutely put their hands up and give that feedback. They're, they're generally pretty good at uh, hiding behind the keyboard and providing very concise and truthful insight into actually how, to, how it's going to adopt or work for their business or work for you guys as well. And Thomas, what about in terms of that change management piece and really setting them up to understand the impact that it's going to have in their day for a new piece of technology. Because I think particularly over the last 18 months, a lot of what I've heard about is tech fatigue and agents saying, I just can't handle any more technology. I need a break from this. How do you keep them engaged and making sure they're adopting things? The challenge with too much tech is that the agent can almost get a sense of analysis paralysis where there's so much going on, it just paralyzes any sort of good work that they could actually do. So you do need to be careful of that. I think the modern business needs to understand, the modern real estate business needs to understand they've got two customers. They've got the client who's out in the market, which is the property owner or the buyer, so the ecosystem of, of, of that customer. And then they have the people within the business as, as the other customer. So I think that the challenge with with the way that you look at change management is that people will make decisions on something thinking that, that they make the decision and that everyone just falls in line and, and, and does that. And the decision might actually be the right one for the customer, which is the client out in the marketplace, the buyer, the seller, the landlord. But it's the people within the business who actually are the conduit to selling that outside, right? And in years gone past, so when I first got into the industry 17 years ago, the businesses were going direct to the customer and the and the real estate agents were just the ones that facilitated the transaction. The real estate agent now goes direct to the customer and the business helps the real estate agent facilitate that transaction in a good way. So that once you start understanding that, you start engaging with your, your people differently on the journey of what we're implementing it, why we're implementing it. And so change management around that sort of stuff does become, I think, easier once you start looking at it that way. So you become more conversational in the way that you share new ideas rather than less, you know, less dictatorial with regards to what should happen. And that's something that I feel that at Bressie Whitney, we do a really good job at that. And that's the engagement of your people and, and getting them to be involved in the process of deciding why it is that we are doing it. 
engagements there, you decide it's the right thing. And then once you turn implement it, they're already sold to go and sell it to the people that are going to be using it, right? Yeah. So I think as business leaders in the real estate industry, if you can sort of look at it in that lens, it makes it a lot easier to get people on board with things. One of our very early, I suppose, innovations in this space, not that you'd even call it digital, but we started providing price guides that were public on all of our listings. And the initial fear from agents was, oh, but I'm not going to get all the inquiry and not going to build my database and no one's going to call me about the property. And it's a journey of trust with anything digital. And I think for an agency to say, okay, we're going to introduce all these new things at once and expect everyone to move from A to B, it's not quite how it works. It's building that trust with your team and taking them on a journey. And we've done that in a very stepped way over probably the best part of seven or eight years to the point now where we have that really strong ingrained trust and we can move on things quite quickly. And I think, Thomas, that you you touched on a really good point, particularly around the segmentation of the client or the customer. And I think you guys kind of a few steps ahead of the game in terms of just segmenting it out so that you understand the different lanes and the different ways that you need to interact with each of those people as well. How do you foresee in the future how much is technology going to play a role? How much is still going to have that human interaction? There's a lot of buzz always around technology where it's like disruption and taking it completely digital. The reality is it's not going to be for anyone who's gone and bought a sort of home. What's your kind of insight into that and how you're thinking about it? I think the industry did have a very strong belief that we would be, you know, Uberized. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, we would probably see agents be cannibalized by, by digital, right? We don't believe that's the case, certainly not anymore. It's our belief very strongly that technology can actually help agents be a lot more effective and add a lot more value to their clients. Um, and again, that's that's one of our key philosophies that we use to build our ecosystem. The divide between good and great has already occurred in, in the marketplace. So, you know, you could look at it like Phil Harris talks about amateur versus pro and all that different sort of stuff. Yeah. Technology is only going to make that divide greater. I think that, you know, the way that technology is going to have an impact on our industry is that it's going to make the people that are already really, really good at what they do just better. And so the people that, if you look at what we do as a whole, if there's anyone that should be concerned, because Will's right, there was a period there where everyone's thinking, oh my God, every single person in our industry is going to be you know, rendered obsolete. Now, I actually think there's still part of that in our industry. It's the people that don't have a commitment to excellence, don't have a commitment to improvement, are happy just to sit by and watch the world go by. They should be concerned with regards to what technology could possibly do. So to unpack it, what you're really, you've got this great brand that people are attracted to, both agents and obviously consumers. And then you've got the engine room that sits in behind it. And, and really what I'm hearing from you guys is that it's just getting agents to do the dollar productive things as opposed to getting them bogged down in things back in the office so they can have more human interaction to, to build those relationships in market with their prospective buyers or sellers or whatever it might be. Well, a good way, a, a real-time example of this, I think for at least you know, the last two decades, when an agent is growing, the first hire that they would generally make is an administrative person, which is non-dollar productive. Yes, it might allow the, the agent a little bit more time to go and do what is more dollar productive for them. But I would say nine times out of 10, that person just 
doesn't use their time more effectively. So a big thing for us that we look at, we go, okay, well, how can we position it in a way where the first hire that a person makes on their trajectory of growth is a dollar productive associate agent or call it whatever you want to be able to call it. So someone is basically just an extension of themselves. And we've already seen, this is something that Will and I have been focused on. We've already seen in our business with a number of our people that are on that growth path, their first hire has been an associate agent that's dollar productive and their growth has been through the roof. Now, that means as a business, we need to set up an ecosystem that allows them to still have that support of administration and processing. And that is where technology can play a huge part in allowing us as a business to be able to deliver that effectively and efficiently. So that's where I think that you can have that big impact with regards to helping your agents grow and providing better service. Obviously, over the last 18 months or two years, there's probably been a need to pick up pieces of technology and rush things through as we went into lockdown or whatever it might have been at the time. If we take like online auctions as an example, is that something that you guys are looking to continue forward in your business or is it transitioning back to on-site again or is there a hybrid or a middle model that you might see working for your business? This is a really like philosophical question that a lot of people actually don't think it's a simple thing to, 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 to look at. But if you're employed by an owner to deliver a premium result for their home, you want to implement the things that allow you to deliver a premium result. And I don't think just yet the industry has been able to work out in the same way if you look at, you know, we look at the big art auction houses like you know, Phillips in New York and Christie's and these sorts of people and how they deliver it. And they've been able to, I think, successfully do the hybrid model in an in-room controlled environment, people bidding via telephone, people bidding in person, people bidding, bidding via live stream. I don't quite yet think that we can deliver a premium auction day result with a hybrid model. Now, I know it's controversial because you're a big believer in, in, in that product. You've been a big part of that in the industry. Mm. So I think it will play a part. For us, we, we think the digitization of the auction process is something we've, we, we've already implemented and we will be continuing off the back of what's happened in lockdown. We conducted physically, not booked, physically conducted over 100 online auctions through lockdown in Sydney. So we think we're, we're pretty much in a point where we, we know how to do online well. We know how to do on-site well. I don't think anyone's been able to bridge the gap to mix on-site digital together well yet. Yeah, and I tend to agree with that. And I think the biggest thing that holds us back or if it, if it even is a barrier because of it might not be a solution that actually needs to fit because it doesn't have – not everything has to be digitized. But if you look at like the car industry, the art industry, et cetera, it's something that transacts a lot more frequently with the end consumer, but the buyers and vendors that obviously you guys are with every day, they're in and out of the market every seven to 10 years. So for them, it's not as comfortable. It's a lot more emotional decision behind it. It's, there's a lot more handholding that has to go into that process that you've obviously built and you're talking about that a bit. And I don't know if it is quite ready for the industry yet. We've had to build it to be able to work in both scenarios because the reality is it might not go that way, as you said, Thomas. One thing that excites me is a different option. So for us, we're not big believers in in-room auctions. We're, we're big believers on, on site. You can see that with regards to the way that we promote our properties. We, we like to make them feel good. You know, one of the big things of, the, of, of our business is you know, bringing homes to life through what we do. But what I love about what the online auctions do is it creates another option for certain properties that do not fit on site, nor do they fit in-room, and they fit 
online. So this week in particular, I think we've conducted five online auctions midweek within business hours. That was not happening. And that's a, that's a whole new level of scale for your business in terms of the amount of volume that you can go through in a week. I think it also represents an important change in the consumer. And this comes back to exactly what we were saying before, where we're surveying how are consumers finding our solutions, etc. Online auctions is a perfect example because a consumer now is very comfortable at a Friday lunchtime while they're working at their desk at home to jump onto an online auction and throw a few bids around. Two years ago, we would have probably laughed at that suggestion. And, and Will, what about for you over the last kind of year and a half? What's been the biggest learning for you and the, the business? I think tech-wise, COVID has forced us to evolve very quickly. And I'm talking about the broader industry here. You look at solutions out there in terms of digital signatures. You look at the way the conveyancing and solicitor industry has had to adopt. And I think they're all positive things that would have otherwise taken a very long time for us to get to. So from my perspective, I think the industry has moved significantly forward over the two years of COVID. And I think for us as a business, the best thing we've been able to do is explain to our people that there are different ways of working and really embrace and adopt that and use that as part of our competitive advantage. And, and it's been proven now as well as is exactly as we we're talking about before. Is there a hybrid model that it can exist now? Is it going to sway all back into office and in person? Or can we find this new environment because people are comfortable with it now and, and they're open to it? Well, we always ask two questions and I'm going to refer this one to you, Thomas, for the first one when people come on to the PropTech Insider podcast. And the, that question is, how do you define success for yourself personally? I think that changes through different seasons that you're in in your life. I mean, for me, I define success with those around me having success. That's just how I am. And I think that that's probably the one thing that I would probably overlay across my whole career is, you know, if, if the people around me aren't enjoying in the success, then doesn't matter how good I'm going, it's going to be pretty difficult to be able to, to, to enjoy it. So I think that's probably how I'd define success. And Will, for you, I, I've actually moved these around. So if you don't want to, if you want to swap it around, let me know. <laughs> but uh, Will, for you, for the final question, tell us one thing that you get to start, stop and continue. I might, if it's okay, just quickly touch on success. Yeah, go for I, it. I, had, I had a big think about that question. Okay, let's, uh, let me, let's, <laughs> let's go back. So I'll, I'll ask you the, both the question then on this one, on both of them. So, Will, I'll direct this question to you, which is how do you define success? I thought about this question in terms of success in digital. And success in digital to me is driving outcomes that you wouldn't otherwise have been able to achieve. So for us, you know, one of one of our big things that we built some time ago were our buyer matching algorithms. And that to us generates sales that we might not have otherwise realized right so that to me is success in digital i think on a personal level success is is being challenged so for me the biggest form of success that i generate is being challenged to change challenged to innovate and challenged to think differently and thomas um the final question that i'm going to ask both of you is um tell us one thing that you're going to start stop and continue like only because it's been relevant for the last couple of months, I'm going to stop telling myself that I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> Only because I actually do believe that you start telling yourself something over and over and over and over again, you start believing the narrative, right? So that's something that I'm going to, to stop doing. That's something I'm actually implementing right now. One thing that I'm, I'm going to, to continue to do is, you know, one thing that I learned over the course of the lockdown was 
the ability to be able to stay connected with your people in a meaningful way that is not just within the four walls of what your organization does. That's something that I'm going to continue. One thing that I'm going to, to start doing, I, I, I don't know how to answer that one. I think that the big thing for me is I'm, I'm probably going to start learning to be able to say no more, to spend the time that I do have where it's going to be constructive. and it's a, it's a hard one. We were talking about this before, actually, before we jumped into the recording is you've got to be disciplined enough to say no or stop doing things to actually clear headspace to make sure that you can execute on the things that you want to actually do. Because what's the one thing that we all can't get back is time. We all have 24 hours in the day. We all have the same amount of days in the week, weeks in the months, months in the year. And Will, what about for you? What are you going to start, stop and continue? I think stop and continue are always easier to answer, right? So I, I sympathize with Thomas on that point. For me, my start is probably uh, putting myself out more to the industry and start sharing you know, our experiences at Bresick Whitney more broadly in the industry for the betterment of the industry. So, you know, if anyone wants to reach out to Thomas or myself for a discussion, we'd really encourage that. Stop. I need to stop over committing <laughs> to things and be more realistic with my time. And continue is thinking differently, thinking about the future, not thinking about the past and continuing to move the business forward. Awesome. Well, thank you both for coming on and giving us some really great insights into into your business and how you guys are thinking on a personal level about how you're going to grow and adopt and continue to stay ahead of your market. So thank you both for coming on. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks for listening to today's episode of PropTech Insider. If you'd like to learn more about our topic today, visit agentsolutions.com.au. If you enjoyed this topic and you want to hear more about exciting content that we have in store, please hit the subscribe button on whatever podcast app you use. See you next time.